Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Thursday, September the 8th, 2022, and I hope you are having a fantastic day. Thanks for joining us today. We are uh, diving into Psalm chapter 8 today, as well as uh, our reading from C.S. Lewis on this uh, short week, this Labor Day week. Um, the readings, uh, if you want to get the book, if you want to get this devotional, it's not bad to have for your library. Just thought I'd give it a plug here. So the readings from C.S. Lewis are come from a book entitled A Year with C.S. Lewis. And the subtitle is Daily Readings from His Classic Works. And um, it's just uh, got clips or uh, excerpts from his. Uh, it's edited by Tr Patricia S. Klein, K-L-E-I-N, Patricia Klein. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, thanks for the new opening. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Leo, new creative arts pastor, Leo Flores. He uh, created the. Uh, so if you listen to the podcast, you'll notice there's a new intro and outro to the podcast. And uh, that's his skills. He created that. He created several options. Um, so there's actually other intros and outros as well. But yeah, this is our, those are originals. He got skills. He got skills. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Leo. Appreciate that, man. Um, so yeah, let's dive in y'all, uh, Psalm chapter eight. Thanks for being a part today. Thanks for sharing it, spreading the word, commenting, all those things, man. We appreciate it. Letting people know you're on just saying, Hey, good morning. People love that, man. People love to see your, see your, your little name pop up on the Facebook feed saying good morning. Not just me, everybody, the whole community likes to see that. So thanks for doing that. All right. Uh, Psalm chapter seven. Let's see what the word of God has to say to us today. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. Let's do it. Psalm chapter 7. Good morning, Jerry. All right. Psalm 7. Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all those who pursue me. Or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Hmm. David feel like David feel like he's in trouble right here, man. Sometimes we feel like that. Like, God, I need your help. <laughs> all my customers are mad. All my customers are angry. All my clients are irate because things are taking longer than they should. And they're mad at me. People are going to eat me up. Maybe you, can bar, maybe you just got some issues with family, friends. I feel like they're going to tear me up. That's how David felt. Verse 3, Lord my God, I have done this, and there is guilt on my hands. Hmm. If I have done this. He says, if I have done this, and there is guilt on my hands, if I had repaid my ally with evil or without cause, have robbed my foe. So he's saying people are out to get me and 
you know, if 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 I'm guilty, I'm guilty. If I've repaid my ally with evil or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Yeah. So if it's my fault, man, let him get me. You know, if I'm guilty, if I'm culpable, then uh, all right. But he's basically asking the Lord to search his heart, right? Like, search me, Lord. That's always a good uh, posture when we find ourselves in a situation. Lord, search me. You know, if I've created this, if I'm causing the drama, if I'm the source of the drama, if I had a problem, the problem is in uh, right here where I'm sitting, uh, then, you know, let me know. Yeah. Verse 6, Arise, Lord, in your anger. Arise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice. Lord, bring things to order. Set things right. Hmm. Verse 7, let the assembled peoples gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. So he's the, uh, the idea of the, he's a righteous judge. Let the, let the people kind of gather around and let the Lord judge the peoples. <laughs> let the Lord judge the peoples. <laughs> it sounds funny when we say it. Let the man, Lord, can you just judge the peoples? Uh, that's over and over a cry in the Bible of the righteous um, to see just, see God's justice come. Um, and uh, we talked about this last time a little bit, just shortly, a couple days ago, about the, the wrath of God. But the wrath of God is an important part of the justice of God. It's a righteous indignation. It's not a off-the-handle uh, two-year-old tantrum. No, that's not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is, is calculated and just and holy and good. And so when God re uh, and in Ro Romans chapter 1, we're told that the, the wrath of God is already being revealed on the earth in this way. God is giving people what they want. Instead of God making us choose the right way, he's letting people have what they want. And as a result, the wrath of God, the righteousness of God is being revealed. Uh, the, uh, the just reward, the just due for choosing sin over God is being received. Hmm. It's the justice of God. I mean, God is long-suffering. He's uh, patient. A thousand years is as a day. A day is as a thousand years to the Lord. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not there chewing his fingernails. Nervous. <laughs> he lets his righteousness and his justice roll like a river. The Book of Amos talks about let justice roll like a river. Well, it is rolling like a river. And sometimes it takes a few. It takes a little time for that justice to roll on down the river, <laughs> but it's coming. It's coming. It's rolling down the river. It may take a hot minute to get there, but it's going to get there. God's justice rolls like a river, um, like a never-ending flood. Hmm. Um, where, where are we? Verse 8. Let the Lord judge the peoples. That's where we were. Vindicate me, Lord, according to, to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. So, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to, I'm 
trying to live a life of righteousness. So uh, vindicate me. Verse 9, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. Yeah, it's a great prayer. Yeah, Lord, in our, in our world today, it's a great prayer. Bring the end to the violence and wickedness and, and make the righteous secure. Mm-hmm. You, the righteous God who probes minds and hearts. Wow. God, the righteous one, probes minds and hearts. Mm. He, he probing hearts, man. He, we need God to probe hearts. See, like, you know, hey, do you have a heart? <laughs> you know, some people, some people be like, man, like, Lord, could you probe, could you, could you probe him and see if he got a heart? Because it don't feel like it. <laughs> uh, and then if he does, could you just kind of change it? Him influence it. Influence her heart, his heart. Yeah. And God does that, man. Think about your own heart. How God has changed your heart over time. It's incredible when you think about it. God changes our hearts, man. He probes the hearts of men and women. And he changes them. Changes our affections. He affects what we desire, what we uh, love, what we value. That's the work of God, man. God does that. That's pretty cool. Um, and that's what David is praying. He's saying, God, probe the hearts of people. That's who God, that's what God does. You, the righteous God, verse 9, who probes minds and hearts. He, pro he probes minds too. And sometimes we, got, we pray that, Lord, can you just probe that person's mind? Because I don't know if they have one. Every teenager, right? God, can you probe the can you probe the the head of my teenager? Because I don't I don't think he got a brain up in there. Can you just verify that for me? <laughs> and if he does, can you influence it? If she does, can you please influence it for good? Oh my word! Verse ten. My shield is God Most High. Yeah, he's your shield today. God is your shield, man. My shield is God Most High, who saves the upright in heart. God is a good God, man. You know, He does. He saves the upright in heart. We seek Him. He's going to save us. I love that. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays His wrath every day. That's what we were just talking about. God isn't the wrath, the final wrath of God, of course. Uh, the culmination of all things at the end will be revealed. But God is already revealing the wrath, his wrath right now in that he is not intervening against the sins of humanity. He's letting sinful men and women have what they want, which is sin more than God. That's, that's the walk of, you know, the walk, of, the walk of spiritual formation is the walk of learning to love God more than sin, to love God more than our own desires our own wants, wanting wanting God more than that. That's that's a formation thing that happens over time. We don't, and it takes time, right? That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, <laughs> a little bit of trial and error, realizing, oh, wait, it's better to do it God's way than my way. <laughs> but that's spiritual formation. Um, and, uh, but the, a lot of the world is not living according to that. They're not, they're not, the world, you know, look around, right? You just walk outside and, you know, 360 degrees around wherever you are right now, uh, people people aren't choosing God. 
I mean, you don't have to look far. Unless you live in a convent, people around you are probably not choosing God primarily. They're choosing a lot of other things. They're choosing um, affluence. They're choosing power. They're choosing uh, acceptance. They're choosing uh, materialism. They're choosing indulgence. They're cho choosing, I mean, just list it, right? Um, some of them are living vicariously through their children. <laughs> so they're choosing even their children. <laughs> um, but no, people aren't choosing God, I mean, by and large. And so God, the wrath of God is that God is letting people have what they want. Yeah, they're letting them have the, that immorality. Just let them have it. And the end result of that choice, uh, the current and end, end result of that of that those choices are going to be death. They're going to be they're going to be uh, not good. And so, yeah, so the wrath of God has already been revealed even today. It's not something yet to be revealed. Um, at least not uh, in the sense that uh, completely, to, the, the ultimate final wrath of God is to be revealed, but it's already being revealed to some degree now. Um, where are we? Uh, so that was verse 11. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. Verse 12. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Hmm. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Hmm. Wow. Think of that progression, right? So a person who's pregnant with evil, what are they conceiving? They're conceiving trouble. Evil, evil conceives nothing but trouble, right? I mean, that's what that's the it's almost synonymous. Evil and trouble go hand in hand. They're like they they are connected. So whoever is pregnant with evil is conceiving trouble, and what they're going to give birth to is whatever they think they're going to give birth to, whether it's more power, more uh, pleasure, more uh, whatever, more money, whatever it is. Um, basically, what they're going to give birth to is disillusionment. Disillusionment, like uh, emptiness. Wow, think about that. So they're pregnant with evil, but what they're going to actually produce in reality is going to be empty. It's going to be a vapor. Because evil is what? A deception. It's a lie. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, um, oh, shoot, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's a, it's a mist. It's a facade, so it produces disillusionment. Verse 15, whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. That's a proverb, man, for real. You dig a hole for someone else, you end up falling in it yourself. If you're, uh, you're consumed with envy and revenge, you're gonna, the hole you dig is going to be the hole you fall in. Verse 16, the trouble they cause recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their own heads. Verse 17, I will, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. Yeah, that's what we got to do, man. We got to give thanks to the Lord because he's righteous. He's good. He's kind. 
We're going to sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High, Yahweh Most High. He's over everything. He's over everything. He is the Most High. You can't go. In, you can't go no higher than God. Uh, you know, uh, Artemis, that rocket going to the moon, God higher than that. That telescope that saw in the far distances, as far in the other galaxies, God higher than that. He's over it all, man. So I'm going to sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High. Because he is the what? The Most High. He's over everything. I love that. And he's over your situation today. Whatever you're going through. You're facing something like, man, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Maybe you don't know how you're going to get through it, but here's the good news. Uh, God's over it. God's higher than that. God's higher though, higher than that conflict. God's higher than that situation. God's higher than that predicament. God's higher than that conundrum. God's over it. That problem, he's higher than that. Yeah. And he's with you. All right, let's see what C.S. Lewis has to say. Our reading from C.S. Lewis here on uh, the 8th of September. The title of this reading from C.S. Lewis is Learning as a Necessary Weapon. Hmm. We talked a little bit about learning yesterday, right? Because you know he's a he's an Oxford professor, so he likes he likes he was uh, defending learning as a vocation. That there's learning is worship, um, and it's needed. Here he's talking about it's a necessary. It's not only worship; it's a necessary weapon. Hmm. Okay, I'm I'm eager to hear what he has to say. I just in case you're wondering, I don't read these things ahead of time. I have no idea what he's going to say, so I'm I'm learning it along with you. I just read the title. That's it. So, and sometimes I don't even understand what he's saying. What he's saying. <laughs> I was like, "What?" I have to read that again. Uh, here we go. Learning as a necessary weapon. Hmm. What's he thinking about? What does that make you think about? Ne learning as a necessary weapon. A weapon against what? Just from the title, that makes you ask the question. A weapon. Okay. Well, we're, then that presupposes that we're in some kind of war or battle if i need a weapon um and so learning as a necessary like i need learning in this battle that i'm in uh what battle am i in and what kind of weapon does learning provide in what sense is learning a weapon let's go let's do it if all the world were christian it ain't we know that already but c.s lewis begins if all the world were christian it might not matter if all the world were uneducated. Hmm. But as it is, the cultural life will exist outside the church, whether it exists inside or not. So the world's going to be there, whether uh, whether the church connects with it or not. It's going to be there. So to be ignorant and simple now, not to be able to meet the enemies on their own ground, would be to throw down our weapons and to betray our uneducated brethren who have, under God, no defense but against the intellectual attacks of the heathen. Hmm. He's saying that there's, so there's this world out there, this intellectual world out there that's outside the church. They don't, they're unsaved. They don't care about God. They don't care about the justice of God, the righteousness of God, the things of God. That whole world is existing and learning and, and trying to sharpen their intellect and their skills and their abilities 
what would it be if we in the church refused to engage in learning and education and sharpening our own skills? Wouldn't we be just like, uh, in a sense, leaving our Christian brothers and sisters defenseless to be uh, attacked by these intellectual heathen? We, we, those of us that uh, have the capacity to learn and grow and to think critically, we owe it to our Christian brothers and sisters to... Uh, to sharpen our skills, pick up our swords, and kick some booty. Come on now. That's what I was saying. That's it. That's what C.S. was saying. That's what I said. I don't know where they came from, people. <laughs> That's what he's saying. And by, by kicking booty, I mean like intellectually. I don't mean like taking up arms, but crack, thinking critically, answering arguments against the existence of God, arguing, uh, arguing against things that are... Uh, forming arguments that that attack or, or draw uh, present questions or, or punch holes in the arguments of the heathen. Hmm. That's what he's saying. We owe it to them. Good philosophy must exist, if for no other reason, because bad philosophy needs to be answered. Yes. Uh, good Christian thought needs to exist. If nothing else, to answer all the bad, ungodly thinking out there. We owe it to ourselves to think, to think critically. We don't only owe it to ourselves, C.S. Lewis is saying, we owe it to our brothers and sisters. How many brothers, how many people, how many Christians do you know get blown up by, uh, by questions about, uh, well, if, if, if God were really good, why did, why did this happen to so-and-so? That's an intellectual question. And it, it's incumbent upon us to, to, to think about that question honestly and provide an answer. Yeah. Good philosophy must exist, if for no other reason, be, but because bad philosophy needs to be answered. The cool intellect must work not only against cool intellect on the other side, but against the muddy heathen mysticism which deny intellect altogether. Most of all, perhaps, we need intimate knowledge of the past. Not that the past has any magic about it, but because we cannot study the future and yet need something to set against the present, to remind us that the basic assumptions have been quite different in different periods and that much which seems certain to be to the uneducated is merely temporary temporary fashion. Hmm. Wow. He's saying, okay, first of all, we can't we can't strictly we can't study the future because it hasn't happened yet. But what we can do is we can study the past because it has happened. And so we can figure out what's been believed and done and thought in the past. What is what has happened? We can, we can decipher that, and we can learn from that. And when we do that, we can bring that to the present and show people in the present that all these things that they think are new and are, are, are cutting edge and, and new discoveries and new questions and new really and new paradigms and new uh, ways of thinking are not really all that new. They're, they were in the past, and they've been addressed in the past. Those things that are, uh, he says, are of temporary fashion. <laughs> they seem certain, but actually it's just a temporary fad. You see this over and over. You've said, you've heard it said before, like 
there's nothing new under the sun. The old, uh, most of most every criticism of Christianity, for example, uh, everyone you can think of, list all the criticisms of Christianity. Uh, was Jesus really God? How do I can how can I have faith and confidence in the Bible? Um, did Jesus have to die? Um, uh, was Jesus really the Son of God? Uh, did Jesus ever claim to be God? All those questions that those top five, ten, you list them. You think, oh man, I bet, I bet no one's ever answered this. Those all those questions were answered in the first few years after the birth of the church. They dealt with all those things. And so this new fad, this new thing, I bet they never thought of this. No, they really did. They thought about it 2,000 years ago. It wasn't, this is not new. This uh, thing that you seem to, so, seem to think is so certain, it actually is a temporary fad. It's been around a long time. A man who has lived in many places is not likely to be deceived by the local errors of his native village. Hmm. The scholar has lived in many times and is therefore in some degree immune from the great cataract of nonsense that pours from the press and the microphone of this age. Woo! Man, that's fire right there. That could be posted today. C.S. Lewis wrote in a, you know, Civil, uh, uh, World War II era Europe, and uh, he saw a lot of evil and wickedness. He saw a lot of, you know, hatred and destruction. And here he's saying, look, but that could be written today. The scholar has lived in many times and is therefore in some degree immune from the great cataract. Man, we got a great cataract today of nonsense that pours from the press and the microphone of his own age. Woo, not this microphone, but, you know, some microphones. Yeah, the cataract from his own. So what he's saying is the scholar is has lived in various times. Like how? Like because he studies. A learned person is studying different times and seasons and eras and, uh, you know, different times in human history and different places. And so he's learned from those things. His, 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 uh, his breadth, uh, breadth of knowledge is, uh, is wide. And so because of that, he isn't fooled by, the, by some of the errors in his own time and place. Because he's got perspective, got understanding. And C.S. Lewis is saying that learning is a necessary weapon to prevent, to protect us from believing the nonsense that pours from the press and the microphone of this age. Woo! Yes, sir. That's why there's value in reading classics, reading some of the classic Christian founding, founding fathers and mothers, some of those throughout church history, learning from those folks. Because we, we discover through them and we learn through them uh, how, to, how to decipher error and foolishness in our own age. So we're not blinded. Hmm. Wow. Well, God gave us a brain. He we probably wants us to use it. <laughs> he would like us to use it, not only for ourselves, uh, but to help our brothers and sisters too decipher and to discern good and evil and the errors of the day. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, you guys, that wraps it up from C.S. Lewis. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. It's time to pray. Let's do it. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for uh, the fact that you are a righteous God, that you are just and fair and good. Lord, we thank you for that because in our own hearts, we're not always just. We're not always fair. 
So God, we ask that you would search our hearts so that we might reflect better your character and your ways. Lord, help us as we go out today to be uh, people of righteousness and goodness and love and kindness and holiness. Lord, help us to be an influence for your kingdom in a positive way. Lord, um, help us to use our minds and to think critically and not to just receive everything that's sent to us through a microphone or through the press or through a website, but to think and to uh, reason and to think critically in a way that, um, that would serve ourselves and our community, the Christian community, well. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for my friends. I pray you'd bless them and encourage them today, whatever they're facing, whatever they're going through, whatever struggles, trials they're facing. Lord, may you give them the strength and the power uh, to, uh, to endure and to endure with joy. Lord, we love you today and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being on today as we you know, dig into a little bit of weightier thinking from C.S. Lewis. Yeah. We'll be back at it next week. Back at it on Monday, uh, continuing through the Psalms, continuing through our readings with C.S. Lewis. So thank you guys for being part of it. Thank you for sharing this and subscribing and uh, getting the word out about the podcast. I really appreciate it. We're probably up to 27, 28,000 downloads now from the podcast. So thank you for being a part of that. And, um, and it's because you share it that it gets out there and other people see it. So thank you. All right, you guys have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.